Chapter 18 of Fern's Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fern's Hollow by Hesba Stretton. Chapter 18 The Pantry Window. Stephen had been engaged in his new calling for about a fortnight and was coming home after a long and toilsome day among the flocks two hours after sunset with a keen east wind bringing tears to his eyes when he was a few paces from his cabin door a tall dark figure sprang up from a hollow in the cinder hill and laid a heavy hand upon his shoulder it was just light enough to discern the gloomy features of black thompson and stephen inquired fearlessly what he wanted with him i thought thee'd never be coming said black thompson impatiently lad hast thee forgotten thy rights and thy wrongs that thou come to yonder wretched kennel whistling as if all the land belonged to thee where's thy promise to thy father that thee'd never give up thy rights jackson the butcher has taken fern's hollow and it's to be finished in a week or two and thee'll see thine own place go into the hands of strangers it'll all be put right some day thompson thank you said stephen right repeated thompson who's to put wrong things right if we won't take the trouble ourselves is it right for the master to grind us down in our wages and raise the rents over our heads till we can scarcely get enough to keep us in victuals just that he may add money to money to count over of nights was it right of him to leave the pit yonder open till little nan was killed in it thee has a heavy reckoning to settle with him and i'd be wiping off some of the score if i was in thy place i should have little nan's voice calling me day and night from the pit to ask when i was going to revenge her black thompson felt that stephen trembled under his grasp and he went on with greater earnestness thee could revenge thyself this very night thee could get the worth of fern's hollow without a risk if thee'd listen to me it's thine own lad and thy wrongs are heavy fern's hollow stolen from thee and the little lass murdered how canst thee rest stephen god will repay said stephen in a tremulous voice dost think that god sees asked black thompson scoffingly if he sees he doesn't care what does it matter to him that poor folks like us are trodden down and robbed if he cared he could strike the master dead in a moment and he doesn't he lets him prosper and prosper till nobody can stand afore him i'd take my own matter in my own hands and make sure of vengeance god doesn't take any notice i'm sure god sees answered stephen he's everywhere and he isn't blind or deaf only we don't understand what he's going to do yet if he didn't take any notice of us he wouldn't make me feel so happy spite of everything oh thompson thee and the men were so kind to me when i couldn't work and i've never seen thee to thank thee i can do nothing for thee except i could persuade thee to repent and be as happy as i am oh i'll repent some day said black thompson loosing stephen's arm but i've lots of things to do aforehand and i reckon they can all be repented of together so lad it's true what everybody is saying of thee thee has forgotten poor little nan and thy promise to thy father no i've never forgotten 
replied stephen but i'll never try to revenge myself now i couldn't if i did try besides i've forgiven the master so don't speak to me again about it thompson well lad be sure i'll never waste my time thinking of thee again said black thompson with an oath thy religion has made a poor spiritless cowardly chap of thee and i've done with thee altogether black thompson strode away into the darkness and was quickly out of hearing while stephen stood still and listened to his rapid footsteps turning over in his mind what mischief he wished to tempt him to now the open shaft was only a few feet from him but it had been safely encircled by a high iron railing instead of being bricked over as it had been found of use in the proper ventilation of the pit from thompson and his temptation stephen's thoughts went swiftly to little nan and how he had heard her calling to him upon that dreadful night when he went away with the poachers was it possible that he could forget her for a single day was she not one of his most constant and most painful thoughts yes he could remember every pretty look of her face and every sweet sound of her voice and yet they were saying he had forgotten her while the pit was there for him to pass night and morning a sorrowful reminder of her dreadful death a sharp thrill ran through stephen's frame as his outstretched hand caught one of the iron railings which rattled in its socket but his very heart stood still when up from the dark narrow depths there came a low and stifled cry of stephen stephen he was no coward though black thompson had called him one but this voice from the dreaded pit at that dark and lonely hour made him tremble so greatly that he could neither move nor shout aloud for very fear he leaned there holding fast by the railing with his hearing made wonderfully acute and his eyes staring blindly into the dense blackness beneath him in another second he detected a faint glimmer like a glow-worm deep down in the earth and the voice still muffled and low came up to him again it's only me tim it cried hush don't speak stephen don't make any noise i'm left down in the pit they're going to break into the master's house tonight. they're going to get thee to creep through the pantry window if thee won't jack davies is to go they'll fire the thatch if they can't get the door open thee go and take care of miss anne and send martha to longville for help don't trust anybody at botfield these sentences sounded up into stephen's ears one by one slowly as tim could give his voice its due tone and strength he recollected instantly all the long oppression the men had suffered from their master in that distant part of the county where there were extensive works the colliers had been striking for larger wages and some of them had strolled down to botfield bringing with them an increase of discontent and inquietude which had taken deep root in the minds of all the workpeople it was well known that the master kept large sums of money in his house which as i have told you was situated among lonely fields nearly a mile from botfield and no one lived with him except miss anne and one maid servant it was a very secure building with stone casements and strongly barred doors but if a boy could get through the pantry window he could admit the others readily how long it would be before the attempt was made 
Stephen could not tell, but it was already late, and Black Thompson had left him hurriedly. But at least it must be an hour or two nearer midnight, and all hopes of rescue and defence rested upon him and Martha only. Martha was sitting by the fire knitting, and Bess Thompson was pinning on her shawl to go home. Poor Bess! Even in his excitement, Stephen felt for her, but he dared not utter a word until she was gone. But then Martha could not credit his hurried tidings and directions until she had been herself to the shaft to see the feeble glim of Tim's lamp and hear the sound of his voice. For as soon as she rattled the railings, he spoke again. Be sharp, he cried. I'm not afeard, but I can't stay here where little Nan died. I'll go back to the pit and wait till morning. Be sharp. There was no need after that to urge Martha to hasten. After throwing a shawl over her head, she started off for Longville with the swiftness of a hare, and was soon past the engine-house, and threading her way cautiously through Botfield, where she dreaded to be discovered as she passed the lighted windows, or across the gleam of some open door. Many of the houses were quite closed up and dark, but in some there was a voice of talking, and here and there Martha saw a figure stealing like herself along the deepest shadows but she escaped without being noticed and once through the village her path lay along the silent high roads straight on to longville nor did stephen linger in the cinder hill cabin he ran swiftly over the pit banks and stole along by the lime kilns and the blacksmith's shop for under the heavy door he could see a little fringe of light how loudly the dry cinders crunched under his careful footsteps yet quiet as the blacksmith's shop was and soundless as the night without the noise did not reach the ears of those who were lurking within and stephen went on in safety there stood the master's house at last black and massive looking against the dark sky not a gleam from fire or candle to be seen below for every window was closely shuttered. But on the second story there shone a lighted casement, which Stephen knew belonged to the master's chamber. The dog, which came often with Miss Ander the Cinder Hill cabin, gave one loud bay, and then sprang playfully upon Stephen, as if to apologize for his mistake in barking at him. For some minutes the boy stood in deep deliberation, scarcely daring to knock at the door lest some of the housebreakers should be already concealed near the spot and rush upon him before it was opened or else enter with him into the defenceless dwelling but at length he gave one very quiet rap with his fingers and after a minute's pause his heart bounded with joy as he heard miss anne herself asking who was there stephen fern he answered with his lips close to the keyhole and speaking in his lowest tones what is the matter stephen she asked i cannot open the door for my uncle always takes the keys with him into his own room please to take the light into the pantry for one minute he whispered cautiously with a fervent hope that miss anne would do so without requiring any further explanations for he was lost if black thompson or davies were lying in wait near at hand very thankfully he heard miss anne's step across the quarried floor and in a moment afterwards 
the light shone through a low window close by it was unglazed with the screen of open lattice-work over it so as to allow a free ventilation it had one thick stone upright in the middle leaving such a narrow space as only a boy could creep through he examined the opening quickly and carefully while the light remained and when miss anne returned to the door he whispered again through the keyhole don't be afraid it's me stephen i'm coming in through the pantry window he knew his danger he knew if any of the robbers came up they must hear him removing the wooden lattice which was laid over the opening and unless they supposed it to be one of their accomplices at work he would be at once in their power exposed to their ill-treatment or perhaps suffer death at their hands and would miss anne within trust to him instead of alarming the master if he came down and opened the door all the designs of the evil men would be hastened and finished before martha could return from longville but stephen did not listen nor did his fingers tremble over their work though there was a rush of thoughts and fears through his brain he tore away the lattice as quickly and quietly as he could and with one keen glance round at the dark night he thrust his head through the narrow frame he found it was just possible to crush through and after a minute's struggle his feet rested upon the pantry floor End of chapter eighteen